Hey everyone, and welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. And uh, you know, it is trail running season year in and year out here in San Diego, which is the beauty of everything. So I figured we'd take this opportunity to talk about ultra running and how to get into it. So if you're a newbie ultra runner that wants to jump into the ultra world, what does that take? What is the timing, the training, the nutrition and gear look like? To help out with the conversation, I brought in a locally famous trail runner and coach, Isabella Janovic, to help out with this conversation. So let's just get right into it. Enjoy, guys. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. What's going on? How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for being <laughs> back in here. Appreciate it. Always love our conversations. So, yep. um, we're going to try and keep it kind of dialed in this time and we not get too far out on stories and everything else like we've had Uh-oh. in the past. So, <laughs> but we're going to still have fun with it. And, uh, you know, for the purposes of, of this conversation, we're going to keep it to the 50K and 50 mile distances because you get into ultra running, you've got your 100 miles, your 200 miles. Yeah, your 200s now. Yeah, exactly. So that's Ooh. that's a completely different category. <laughs> so as an as a newbie getting into the ultra world, 50K and 50 miles is pretty much what you're going to lean into. So that's where we're going to focus. And uh, I do want to reference that if you want to get any more details on the nutrition and training aspects of trail running and ultra running, we have done other episodes uh, on the Trail Life podcast. So go back and search for those because those will dive into more detail on what your nutrition should be dialed into, what you should be looking at, what your training should be for specific items along along the way. So this is going to be a general what to look at as you get into uh, ultra running. And we're, we've broken it down into into four different categories, we've, we think. Uh, timing, training, nutrition, and gear. And so I want to just get started right into the timing aspect of it. Um, you know, here in San Diego is a lot of our ultra races happen in the first quarter and the first part of the second quarter. So January to May, really. So if I'm a if I'm an ultra if I'm a trail runner looking to get into ultras now during this time, mm-hmm. fourth fourth quarter, how long should I plan out? Like if I'm should I be looking at a race six months down the road, four months down the road? Like what's what's the timing aspect of it as far as selecting a race that's the appropriate timing? So really that's a that's a good question because everyone's kind of on a different level here and everyone's kind of at a different mileage. We'll start coaching runners for an ultra that are maybe at eight miles tops. Sometimes we'll get runners that are used to running 20 miles on the weekend already. So it really just depends. A lot of the runners here, I would say is about 12 to 16 weeks to gear up. Uh, sometimes it can go up to six months if you haven't been training that long, coming back from injury. Uh, maybe you know you're going to have some vacations coming up or um, it's going to take you a little longer because you have kids and school and all that but I would say about 16 weeks is about your sweet spot here so um, thinking now we're getting on October so you want to start looking at your ultra in January February race dates let's say we select a, a January event mm-hmm. for right now right yeah. um, again it's four months out yep. at this point so I want to get into my training how often 
should uh, somebody start training for this? Like how many days per week, how many miles per week mm-hmm. are you looking at? And obviously this this dials in, you're, you're gonna gain more as, as we go on, but what's that starting point? Yeah, so we like to, to coach people in different cycles, uh, mesocycles. So we'll go build, build, build. We'll build up your endurance for about four weeks. And then we have kind of what I call a breakdown, or a back down week where you kind of go back down. Um, also, a thing to think about in the next few months here is the holidays. How dedicated are you to this oh, 50K, 50 miler? Are you just going to start, you know, eating like crap in November, December <laughs> and get um, traveling a lot to go into all the holiday parties every weekend on Friday and Saturday nights, or are you going to be dedicated to your training and your long runs on the weekend? So that's something to consider as well. Me personally, I like having a, an ultra in January because it keeps me out of trouble during the holidays. It keeps me focused. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I tell people, I'm sorry, I can't go to your holiday party. I'm training the next morning and this is Very my true. commitment. And this is my priority. So um, another thing is you don't have to run as many miles as people think you do. There is such a thing as overtraining and overrunning. And that's how people tend to get injured so it's great we have all these group runs it gets people together but you don't have to show up to every single group run and I know a lot of people in our community here we've always got collaboration runs and events going on and people get FOMO all the time but there is a thing of overtraining so it's really important to take at least one solid rest day also we promote a lot of strength and conditioning so going to the gym lifting weights you don't have to be a bodybuilder or lift heavy but you need to be taking care of your body you need to be working on mobility and all the little calisthenics. I mean, just doing um, air squats with proper form. You don't have to be lifting heavy, but spending uh, at least two days in the gym working on core work, which I don't necessarily mean doing a bunch of sit-ups, but actually strengthening your core because having a strong core is going to work your whole body. It's going to help with your upper body as you carry gear and water. It's going to help your legs. Everything's connected. So typically we say work out six days a week, four days of running, two days strength work and every day you're doing a little bit of mobility on your body yeah so i guess the other thing too is when you're looking at uh which races to to select yes you're also looking at what kind of course exactly. you're looking at right so if you know that the course is going to be super hilly mm-hmm. you have to start adding in some hill training yes with that right but that also adjusts what kind of strength training you're also doing as well, right? The, yes. If you know that you're going to be doing a lot more elevation gain, you have to kind of adjust it for that too. So how does how does adding in some of that stuff, I mean, does that get kind of mixed into, hey, I'm going to be you know, running, you know, four days a week, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's very strategic on our runs. We'll do uh, long runs. We'll do um, hikes sometimes where we just do time on your feet so you can get used to being out there for four, five, six hours. We do hill repeats, speed work, fart licks. Uh, tempo runs, fast finish runs, certain runs you'll want to hit a certain amount of elevation. If it's a local trail, we'll tell you to like, hey, go out on the course these days and go, you know, make sure you got, you're doing good on the technical part. We'll do footwork drills so that you can work on the technical part. If it's going to be a race that we know is typically hot, I'll tell runners to go out there, start their runs at 10, 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock so they can get used to heat training. If it's a run that we know is uh, typically going to rain maybe we make sure that our runners are going out there when it's raining so that they're mentally prepared for that on race day yeah and when when you are selecting an event come first part of the year it's going to still be cold so you don't really need a lot of that heat training but um there obviously are 
ultras all over the country and all over the world in different parts. And if you're going to uh, uh, ultra in Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, in <laughs> June or July, then you definitely need to add in that heat training as well. Exactly. But for the purposes of this, um, we're looking at a January. January's perfect weather. Yeah, January's perfect weather for... <laughs> It's nice and chilly here in San Diego still, so you, and you don't have to worry about it getting too hot during the during the day. So, yep. well, yeah. So, really, when it comes down to it, the bullet points of the training are you know four to four to five days of of running with a couple days of uh, strength training and always do mobility. Correct. Right. Yep. Um, so let's look at nutrition. And again, we won't dive too much into each person's individual nutrition, but what are some of the things that runners uh, should be looking at when they start the ultra process? Are we, are we looking more at shifting your nutrition towards the carbohydrate aspect of it? Do you need it like, or is it more protein? Is it a, is, do we have to still maintain the balance of everything? Like what's the first thought process with that? So when it comes to protein, carbs, and fats, everyone kind of has a different philosophy on that. And it's really based on that person, what works for them. So during our training runs, we um, have our athletes work with different options and have them take notes and um, not be afraid of carbs too. Some people think like, oh, carbs are bad, carbs are bad. Well, it just depends what kind of carbs. Of course, if you're eating Pop-Tarts, which you know, (laughs) I'm kind of known to do, (laughs) those aren't necessarily good carbs because they're not going to fuel your body. So we talk about foods that are fueling your body, whole, more whole foods, less of the chemicals. So um, roadrunners, they're they're more used to taking like those gels, that, like the goo gels or the ones that have all these chemicals in it and certain ingredients in it that are known to cause gut issues later in the race. With ultras, you need to actually take in more calories. You get to eat more. The aid stations are like full on buffets, but that doesn't mean you have to eat everything at these buffets. Like it's probably not a good idea idea to eat all the junk food and candy because all that sugar can cause issues in your gut later. So again, everyone's different. I always tell people, um, don't try any new foods on race day. Make sure, you know, whatever foods you've been using on your long training runs that you know work with your body, stick to those. Uh, We give a lot of tips on um, whole foods such as salty foods. You can take potatoes, sweet potatoes, cut them up, um, put them in your your, uh, plastic baggie. If you like salt added to them, put salt in them. Um, olives, pickles, those are more whole foods, but they're very salty. Um, rice balls, we make up kind of our own stuff. I know scratch is a great ingredient and they actually have a cookbook with uh, items called portables that you can create with like rice and different whole foods ingredients and um, you can freeze them, use them later. Other liquid nutrition that works really well with people is tailwind, gnarly. Uh, there's so many different kinds out there, but it's a matter of looking at the ingredients, the labels and seeing what works good for your body. I know people who eat hard boiled eggs and it's great on runs. Me personally, I tried it and it didn't work out for me. So, you know, I like the new spring energy gels because even though they're in the size of a gel packet, they're made with whole foods. So I compare them more to like a baby food. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like a hot new item right now. No gut issues. People are having good response to that. Um, other whole foods, it, people can pack sandwiches. They have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches cut up in pieces or bagels cut up in pieces at aid stations. So more of the whole foods, less of the junk foods. Yeah. So let's go back to the the event aid station, mm-hmm. right? Not and not not every aid station is going to be a full on buffet. Right. Right. But there's typically one, maybe two aid stations there that have some of those more selected items, mm-hmm. right? So 
as a as a new ultra runner, you should be prepared to eat some of that stuff yeah. during your event, not just before. Um, so get used to eating some of that stuff. Like like Iz said, is you know your sandwiches, your bananas, or yep. you know some whole foods during during the event itself. Just because you, it's going to be really tough to uh, take spring energy. Yeah. The entire 30 or 50 miles, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You might get sick of them. That's another thing. That's a great thing to test on your long runs. You're like, oh, the spring energy worked great for the first hour. Then I couldn't handle anymore. Like I wanted something different. So fruit is a wonderful option. Um, You always have to watch out with the amount of fruit. I know I've seen it do this being done to people where they see fresh watermelon. They're like, yes, but then they eat way too much of it. Next thing you know, they're throwing it up. So always be careful of the amount of food you're eating at age stations. It's great to, uh, during your long training runs to track the amount of calories you're consuming. Um, you can use a MyFitnessPal app and it's not necessarily like just used for weight loss. These apps, they're good to see like, Hey, I had a wonderful four hour training run. I was consuming 250 calories an hour and everything went perfect. And then you do another long training run where you only consumed maybe a hundred calories an hour. And then you were feeling super tired and dead and hot and you're having stomach issues. So then you can kind of see like okay this is about the amount of calories i need to take in and maybe it works just liquid nutrition people that are super duper fast you know they may not eat that much whole food so everyone is just different now what about liquid though i mean what obviously we we reference gnarly and tailwind and scratch but Mm -hmm. i mean when you people should also know that that they do offer like your cokes and some of your other like very sugary drinks Mm -hmm. there like those are those are fine to drink too in moderation yes i would say very small amounts of the coke ginger ale um the carbonation is known to help your stomach if Mm. you're uh, starting to feel a little sick uh toward the end of ultras the little bit of sugar and caffeine and the coca-cola tends to help people but again just like small amounts now how about salt tabs Oh yeah, salt tabs. So your body, when you're sweating, you're excreting a lot of uh, electrolytes and sodium. So um, again, everyone's body is different. Salt tabs are pretty important to carry with you in ultras. A lot of the electrolyte drinks have a certain amount of salt already in them. So you'll wanna make sure that you're checking those. Um, Also certain uh, gels, whether it be Spring or maybe another brand that you like, they have a certain amount of sodium in them as well. But having those additional salt pills, I never do a race without them. Um, some uh, races all take more in than other people. So again, it's just determining what works for you. Some people will take one salt pill every two hours. Some people yeah. take two salt pills every hour. But yeah, that's definitely important. And there's a ton of different brands out there for that as well. Now, do you you think people have to, I mean, salt tabs are salt tabs. It's just salt, right? Yeah. So you don't really necessarily need to like prepare for those or train for with those right it's like okay i'm just going to take a salt tab when i'm feeling dehydrated cramped up or whatever right so it's not something you're like oh we need to prepare with these salt tabs right? uh I, they have a few different brands now oh they do yeah like I me I, I salt, salt tab well salt and tab. then they have ones that are chewable Okay. They have ones that are uh, capsule form. And then some people just take straight Himalayan salt. Uh, Recently, when I was at Badwater, I left, um, I think I ran out of my salt pills and I was just taking Himalayan salt, just the regular, because that's what they had. And that actually worked really well for me. So there's actually a lot of different types of salt out there now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. See, I learn something new every day as well. I I just figured a salt tab is a salt tab. But 
Um, so let's talk race gear really quick. You know, obviously running is not a huge gear sport. You don't need a ton, but there are some things that do come in handy out there on the trail. Like one of the most important things is probably your your hydration mm-hmm. system, right? Whether it's a vest or a bottle. And there are a couple options uh, yeah. to that, right? So you've got your Nathan, you've got Ultimate Direction, um, or just a couple to, to name. But uh, how, how important is that as far as the amount of water that you're looking at? Right versus, mm-hmm. I mean, and everybody's going to be different. So whether you're, you try out a hydration vest, or you and you find out it's not correct for you, mm-hmm. you try out the water bottle, you know, handheld water bottle that's got the strap on it and um, helps you out there. I mean, from a water perspective, what's typical from you know carrying water on, on an ultra? Um, I would say about ninety-five percent of people carry their own water, except mm-hmm. the super fast people. It, it's also nice to check out the course and see where, um, how often the water stations are, because okay. that could determine whether you need a pack, a vest, or a handheld. Some people, um, I would say the majority with people who run 50Ks wear the pack just because they want to be carrying certain different things with them. Maybe they do want to carry more of their own spring gels. Uh, maybe the weather, they want to be able to carry like a jacket with them, uh, a windbreaker, or a blister kit if they're known for blisters. I've done 50Ks with and without a pack. I think uh, the Snow Mountain Ranch, your 50K in Colorado, just the way the course was set up with aid stations, I think I just ran with like a handheld on that one. So it really depends. Now, if you are going to be running with a handheld one or two, practice, practice with the handhelds because you don't think about it. They're about (laughs) two pounds each with water and you're going to be running 31 miles. So um, my very first ultra, I decided to run with two handhelds and I had some pretty nice shoulders at the end of training because they were like, wait, but I'm glad I'd practice with it because it took a while to yeah. get used to the extra weight. Uh, same thing with the packs too. Um, that's extra weight on you. So you don't need to carry a two liter water bladder with you during a race because you got to use use the aid stations. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you can find out in advance from the race director what kind of snacks are going to be at the aid station, what kind of electrolyte. If you're used to say, for example, you're a tailwind person, you know tailwind's going to be on the course well, then you don't need to carry your extra tailwind with you. So always look into what's going to be provided by the aid stations and use them as much as possible. Nice. So uh, aside from the hydration vests, um, obviously trail shoes are always... Uh, yeah, good uh, trail <laughs> shoes. Good trail <laughs> shoes. I mean, you, there's not too many ultras you can get away with doing road shoes. No, so always look into that. always look into like what the best trail shoe would be for you. Um, now what about, and this all is based on what kind of terrain we're looking at too Mm -hmm. but um would you suggest if it's a little bit more of a technical trail with rocks and some stumps and elevation gain with that would you suggest having like your your walking your trekking trekking poles um more of the mountain races i see more people with trekking poles also with certain 50ks and 50 milers you're allowed to um bring a drop bag so you can you start using your poles later in the race or maybe you use your poles in the beginning of the race based on the course and then you dump your poles um afterwards and then you don't need them the second half so that's 
that's an option. Trail shoes is very important. Make sure you get a good pair of trail shoes. Uh, make sure you've tested them out on some long runs. Um, also your socks, make sure you're using good quality socks. I recommend Inge Inge toe socks to everyone. Once you go toe sock, you never go back. But um, some people do think the whole toe sock thing is weird, which is totally cool. There's other brands of non-toe socks out there that are great. Um, lubing up your feet or certain yeah. areas uh, due to chafing. Uh, there's different brands for that. You can use good old Vaseline. You can use Squirrel Nuts Butter is a very popular one. Um, Blue Rub makes another good one. Um, some people like to carry BioFreeze with them. Uh, that's another thing. I don't carry that. I never carry any blister stuff with me or first aid stuff because on a race, there's going to be aid stations there. But maybe on your long runs, that's something you bring with you. I also recommend carrying a flask if you're doing... Um, a hydration pack and, and not in, and what's in the so flask? a flask is a, a <laughs> are we talking not <laughs> an alcoholic flask a flask is kind of like a mini water bottle all the water, um, uh, hydration companies make them they fit in your vest and that's where I recommend people to put their electrolyte and not to put their electrolyte drink in their bladder due to bacteria buildup so keeping it separate if you're running with two handheld bottles during a race one handheld has water the other one has your electrolyte drink in it um, other is some sort of sunscreen you want to make sure you're reapplying your sunscreen too especially here in San Diego uh, sunglasses are great if you're used to them uh, carrying a buff could be useful or a hat some sort of protective gear on your head as well but sunscreen is very important too uh, some people like to wear their watch they like to keep track of their pace yeah. some people don't wear one at all so that's <laughs> like when it comes to electronics technology everyone's kind of different on that one we always recommend no headphones uh, on trails just so that you can hear people next to you. Um, you know, if you're training, there's a lot of bikers out here, wildlife. Um, but, you know, some people wear headphones. That's not a problem. Um, every race is different. Some race directors don't allow them. So yep. always just pay attention to the rules. Yep. And so, like, when you're going out to get uh, any of this gear, you can always find run specialty shops in almost any part of the country yep. you live in. Mm -hmm. uh, here in San Diego, it's Fleet Feet. Colorado's Runner's Roost, there's also REI, there's there's so many good run specialty yes. shops here, you know, in, in this area and all over the place to go check out. And they've always are gonna be helpful with getting you fitted for trail shoes, or getting, or, shoes. or getting you the best vest that's mm -hmm. gonna be best for you, uh, nutrition. So go in and check out your run specialty shops uh, wherever you're at mm -hmm. and, and uh, support local. Um, yeah, Fleet Feet's amazing. They, I was just there yesterday, and they have so many different hydration packs and bottles, like, which is nice because you get to try them on first instead of ordering online. You know, mm -hmm. you can actually go there and try them on. Yep. They have a great return policy. Um, the people who work in the store are actually runners, so they can watch you run in the shoes and, you know, get you fitted for the per perfect mm -hmm. shoe, whether it's trail or road. Is I, I appreciate you coming in and just talking a few um, entry points to getting into ultra racing. And what what we'll do on the show notes for everybody is uh, San Diego Ghost Runners. Uh, we'll yep. make sure we'll put their website and their uh, social handles so that way you can follow them or 
reach out to them to ask questions. Yep, definitely. Um, they offer a lot of different coaching programs and nutrition programs for, for runners. So, um, yeah, we'll put those in the show notes for everybody. And, again, appreciate you coming in and, and chatting with me today. And, and, again, if anybody does have any more questions or wants to know more on more specific nutrition or other training styles or um, any, any of those things, we do offer other episodes on the Trail Life Podcast for that, um, which go into even more detail as far as as far as those items. So anyway, thanks, Des. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. We'll talk soon.